everybody, welcome to another episode of the Brown Petri Dish. Today on the podcast, we have Blake Townsend. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. He is an Akron comic. You can usually see him at Funny Stop. Um, also, he usually does both pharmacy and Eurogyro on Sundays. He talked about that a little bit on the podcast. But we had talked to Blake about having him on uh, back for the Browns opening day when he tailgated with us, and uh, we just never made it happen. We finally got it done. So it was a good episode. Um, we talked about everything from Brian Laundry being dead to the Alec Baldwin situation, and uh, it was it was good. It was interesting. Uh, we talked a lot about comedy. We also talked about Tom Segura, one of my favorite comics. It was the comic that uh, Blake picked to uh, play a clip at the end. So we listened to one of his clips from Ball Hog, his latest special on Netflix. Um, and we got into some uh, name dropping that I didn't think should be on the podcast. So that we will save for the Patreon, which I will be getting together this weekend. Um, I don't have any shows this weekend that are booked. So I plan on getting my shit together and getting that done this weekend. Um, and that'll have usually an extra 20 minutes to a half hour of, uh, extra, extra audio from our podcast. And then we're going to do a little something extra, uh, that we haven't decided on yet. We talked about maybe having some guests on to break down their first, their video of their first time doing comedy. We might do that. Um, that was an idea. I think that Mickey Genosi gave us, um, but yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll get some good content up on there, and uh, you guys can give us some money. That'd be cool. Yeah, because we have done a lot of episodes of this and haven't made very much money um, because Anchor? I don't know. I'm not going to talk shit on Anchor because you're about to hear an ad from Anchor. Anchor's great. Anchor is fantastic. Enjoy the show, everybody. Uh, what's up, Blake? Uh, well, I was trying to get my microphone and headphones working, but my computer's being a real dick bag, so. You still have better sound quality than many of our guests have had. Yeah. <laughs> what What exactly is a, a dick bag? Is that? It's the thing that hangs under your dick. Oh, it okay. usually oh. ball. I wasn't sure if that was a bag of dicks or like a dick had been skinned and made into a bag. Yeah, I was under the impression. Well, most people don't think don't go straight to that, Brandon. Yeah. Well, my assumption is that it's called a ball sack. So a dick bag must be something else. Everything has multiple terms. It's semantics. All right. What's the difference between a sack and a bag? Is that really the same thing? I think a, a dick bag is like a is like is like a foreskin on an uncircumcised person. That's that's the dick bag. I would call it a flap. Okay, dick flap. I I I, I lean a little more towards Brandon on this one. Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like something I'd put objects in. You know, well, I guess I mean, you some can't, people do. I guess but... you can't close it. You know, so yeah, like like, and there's no handles. God, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that would suck. That's um, gross. <laughs> the I bet there's a bunch of Europeans listening right now going, wow, these guys are fucking tools. Oh, there's some people pissed for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry you have to clean Lent out of your penis. Um, 
<laughs> and claim that it's a better way to live. I, yeah. Hey, man, each their own. It's a great way to start a podcast. How you been, Blake? <laughs> uh, you know, living life. Uh, was good up until about 20 minutes ago, and then I tried to get everything set up, and nothing worked, so... That's what we do every week. It's usually how it goes. <laughs> I just put the clips together 20 minutes ago. So that's how it goes. Whatever gets the job done, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we have uh, Blake Townsend on the podcast today. Blake, um, how long have you been doing comedy? A uh, little over two years. I started June 29th, 2019. So Damn, you got the date down and everything. Oh, there was a whole big, like, I was supposed to do it. Like, I heard a podcast say, like, if you want to do stand-up comedy, do it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it within a month. And then I showed up to uh, some place in Cleveland. It used to be a macaroni place, but it shut Mad down. Max. Huh? Is it Mad Max? That's it. I knew it. I went there one week when they were supposed to have an open mic, but apparently they they had it every other week. And I went on the other. <laughs> so huh. I had to scramble and find another open mic to do that weekend because I told myself I'd do it by the end of June. And June 29th was a Saturday. So I ended up doing it. And where did you I find, remember that date. Where did you find a mic on a Saturday? In an art gallery. Okay. Near That's a, Superior and 38th, the negative space. Yeah. Huh. Who ran that? They had like an everything open mic. Who, oh, okay. All right. That makes more that sense. That explains it. Yeah. I, uh, my first time I went up right after a rock band. So. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> that sounds horrific. Um, yeah. Dude, I've never been to a concert in my life. And like listening to this rock band, I was like, oh, so this is what they mean when they say your face is melting off. I could feel all the nerve endings in my face, like going backwards. Yeah. Don't look at I know you're upset. I've never been to a concert. How? Most people are. How is that possible? <laughs> How old are you? 31. That should not. I've won free tickets to concerts, too, and I just never went. That should not be possible. Yeah, I, I would think that you just should mandatorily have to go to one at I've, like 26. If you make it to 26 and haven't been to a concert, have you ever someone's been just going to come to your house. Have you ever been to a live comedy show outside of like outside of like funny stuff? Yeah. Or yeah, I've been to uh, I, well, Pat McAfee was a live comedy show and a podcast with Maurice Claret. I saw in Columbus, and then I saw Joe Rogan live as well. Wait, you went to Columbus to see a live podcast, but you've never seen and a comedy show, but you've never seen live music before. Yeah, and you're twenty minutes because away. that's the podcast that got me into comedy. You're like ten minutes away from Blossom Music Center. Like, come on, Blake. Um, I mean, do you count Pokemon Live as a concert? No. I saw that when I was No, (laughs) No, I do not. Fuck. It's like South Park. Fucking. Well, we're dragging Blake to a concert. Yes. That's that's going to be our Patreon episode. For sure. We'll go to a a concert with Blake for the Patreon. And John Brown's seen me do karaoke. Yeah, you He's were like, the concert. You've done karaoke, but never been to a concert, Blake. Really? Yeah, Rihanna. That was it. Was great. Would not have. Yeah, uh, great. Would not have order. guessed Rihanna. Yes, yeah, that's, that's Blake, not what I would guess. A fantastic singer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when so you did comedy for quite a while um, at like 
shitty open mics before you went to Funny Stop. Yep. Uh, <laughs> over a yeah. year, probably, before I ever even thought about going to the Funny Stop. That's crazy. That's impressive, actually. Was it? Was there a reason I, for that, or was it just happen? I, I mean, I guess I was a little scared of a comedy club situation. Like, I wanted to be good enough before I ever got on stage there. But then once you go there, you realize, like, oh, it's amateur night. You don't have to be good. Yeah. But the first, the first time I went there, though, like, after doing a year of bar shows, like, at Barmacy, went down to fucking Mansfield, uh, like, all these crappy little shows. Then the first time I went to the Funny Stop, I was like, I'm fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of my punchlines worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it used to be it used to be like that every week at Funny Stop for Amateur Night. Um, there was a lot of killers. Yeah, before the pandemic, it used to be like it used to be pretty much packed every week. Well, no, there were some times in the winter time when it was real bad. Um, <laughs> I was yeah. I was I did one where it was uh, Lewis Lee, who I don't think does comedy anymore. Um, he was really funny though. Um, he hosted. And it was me, Lewis Lee, Lewis Lee's wife, and uh, Brian Gallagher and his wife were the only people there. So <laughs> that, was, that was a good time. Um, well, I just I just did a show at Grindstone this past Friday, and I heard uh, about that. Yeah, if Tank hadn't accosted two people at the bar to come sit and be crowd, there was no crowd. Really. <laughs> it's shameful. It was because they walked in but- and saw Brandon wasn't there, and they were like, "Fuck this." <laughs> It's weird because I get that both ways. You know what I mean? I've been there for empty shows and they're like, it's your fault. And then nobody's there when I'm not there. And they're like, it's your fault. So I guess just fuck me. Is the Yeah, it's your fault. Logic of this. Yeah, it's the same it's thing. It's like the big daddy game. It's, it's, I win. It's hit or you miss. lose. It's hit or miss basically everywhere. I mean, I mean, you had uh, um, the LVT. There's been like two weeks that Jimmy wasn't there and Jeremy Demery hosted for him. And one week was an absolute shit show. And then the next time was like one of the best nights at LBT. So it happens to everybody, I think, that hosts the show. The extra reason that I was pissed off on that last show was because we we had made it to like four good shows in a row. So we were long overdue to have a bad show. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Maybe we're building a following. Maybe everything is going to come together. You know, we just got these new owners. They saw one good show. So they're obviously going to want to keep it. And then uh, I heard they were questioning like the prices on things and like how much food they were giving away and stuff like that. And uh, then we have a terrible show and I have to go meet with them tomorrow to talk about the future of the show. So I'm kind of in a corner on this one, I think. Yeah, yeah. no, honestly, I listened to your your podcast with Zach um, after I did the Grindstone, Grindstone show. And I heard you mention like we've had a bunch of good shows in a row. We're getting a following. And I was we listening were. to it as someone who had just been there on Friday going, well, that didn't work out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Got ahead of myself, I guess. Four happens, in a row is not man. cutting it these days. It happens, man. I I need to uh, – I can't go next week because there's a Browns game, but I need to start going. I might go next week. I don't know. Browns game's at one. I need to start going to pharmacy on Sundays because I haven't been – I haven't gone up at pharmacy in like two months. I've been Holy there. really? Yeah, I've been you there. Just, I've been there once, but I didn't feel like going up that night. You never get that uh, fear of missing out thing uh, that no. people get when they go to comedy. Really, not at all. 
Not Sundays, man. Sundays are like Sundays have always. That's why I shouldn't. I should have never volunteered to do barmacy in the first place because Sundays have always been like my day to like catch up on sleep and be lazy. Like that's. Well, yeah, and you're a season ticket holder too. I would think that would be the bigger reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. that too. Um, I didn't think about football season when I said yes. I don't. I don't know. It was. it was a more of a me me being excited of the person who got it taken away from them as, than it was yeah. me being excited to take it. So, um, but yeah, the, it's, it's, there's some good shows happening right now, man. And, uh, I, I don't know what's going on with the crowds. They're just so hit or miss, like no matter what show it is. Um, it's just weird. It's a weird time for comedy, I guess. I don't know. Some so people. The pharmacy this past Sunday. Yeah. We had one table that showed up before the show. They just were like college age students. Yeah. That just happened to show up and they stayed for the show. At least, I mean, I was there at the beginning and then left to go to Eurogyro because Sunday is like one of the few times I can get two spots in. So I try to do that. Yeah. But uh, they weren't really into it too much. <laughs> but they Especially for the only table. But they stayed the whole show. (laughs) Someone, someone, I think it was Jared, went up second and uh, talked to the table there and like found out one dude was like a choir major in college. And and they gave me an open to like kind of like when I got on stage, I was like, hey man, I'm really glad you you figured out he was a choir major because I heard him when he first sat down and go, I have voice lessons in the morning, but you know, YOLO. And it was like 8 p.m. at night. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I don't care what part of that sentence was sarcastic. I don't think me and you have a lot to talk about. Yeah. All of it was funny. The whole sentence. <laughs> Voice lessons in the morning. YOLO. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Blake, what are your what are your uh, goals with comedy? What do you want to what do you want to get out of it? Um, if I could one day make a living and not have to work a normal job. That's yeah. all I care about. Yeah. Because you've worked like, some pretty shitty jobs. Yeah. From what I've heard from you. <laughs> well, and just every single time I've walked into a job, I know there's a ticking clock that's like, at some point, I'm going to be fucking tired of this and yeah. I'm going to want to do something else. Yeah. But the first time I did stand up, I was like, oh, I could do this forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, mean, just talk and make people laugh. Like, fuck yeah. Dream job. I mean, out of those shitty, out of those shitty jobs, though, you did get a sweet taco backpack. So I did. That's it's cool. it's a lot more. People like it a lot more than I thought they would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like random people be like, "Do you have a taco box backpack?" I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so so Blake, one thing um, I think Brandon mentioned that we should ask you, and uh, I, I was I'm curious as well. What led to the thought of wearing the tuxedo shirt, and why did you stop wearing the tuxedo shirt? I also still wear it. I still wear it for special occasions. What <laughs> stopped me was my expanding girth. <laughs> oh, you outgrew the shirt? Oh, okay. No, I had a shirt that I was comfortable wearing tight. Then I lost weight, and someone bought me another tuxedo shirt that made me look skinnier. And then that one started to feel tight again. And I was like, well, fuck it. <laughs> That's not exactly how I... I thought there was going to be a big coming of age moment in this. No. I thought this was going to be like a Listen, Disney Channel movie for a second. 
this was like the uh, I thought this was like the leg braces falling off of Forrest Gump. I was thinking that you just took off and ran, but you're like, no, I just outgrew it and stopped wearing it. <laughs> no, like uh, John even said this. He's like, I think you've outgrown the, and he didn't mean it physically. He's like, I think you've outgrown the <laughs> tuxedo shirt. And I was like, wow, John. I never used like people said like, oh, you just used it as a gimmick. I was like, you don't realize like that's how I've been my whole life. Whenever there was a like a fancy situation, I was wearing a tuxedo shirt. (laughs) (laughs) That that is awesome. I mean, it is better than I guess like to keep buying a new tuxedo. I don't know. Well, all right. Well, the origin (laughs) really comes from when I graduated high school. Um, My uncle Mackie, who I didn't really ever see growing up but uh he came to my graduation party and he was wearing a tuxedo shirt and i was like that's fucking awesome and his wife goes yeah i told him to dress fancy because you guys are fancy out here and i lived in garrettsville the opposite of fancy little hick town yeah and he's like yeah that's why i dressed up and i was like that's beautiful and that's when i fell in love with tuxedo shirts <laughs> There's never a bad occasion for it. So we have, so we have your uh, uncle Matt. Was it to blame? Is that what Mackie? Uncle Mackie. Uncle Mackie. Uncle Mackie in the tuxedo T-shirt. That yeah. sounds like a ska man. Listen, this is a man who sits out on his porch naked in socks and shoes. Okay. And Are he sits drinking whiskey sock? from like the time he wakes up, goes to the gym, comes back, drinks more whiskey, goes to the gym again, comes back and passes out. The man is living a life. Is he, is he also a school counselor? No. <laughs> he shouldn't be around children, to be dead honest. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, and, and now now you're known as the guy in the Miles Garrett jersey, um, which is okay. That's fine. But you, uh, Miles Garrett jersey is perfectly fine to do comedy in. But you start dressing up when you go to Funny Stop now. A little bit. Oh, it's because uh, Pete gave me shit. <laughs> of course yep. he did. Yeah. That's what I was expecting. You should have been there. Uh, I think it was, mm. what was it, like a month ago. Um, shit, who's the who's the tall, skinny, black kid that's done the crowd work mic a couple times? Um, I haven't been to crowd work more than once. Shit. So. Paul Henry? No, 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 no. Real tall dude. Skinny, skinny legs. <laughs> but this dude wore is he light skin no this dude wore no. this dude wore like shorts that in my opinion were way too short for him um <laughs> and <laughs> and some like bright bright shoes and his like his shorts were so long that the strings for his shorts were longer than his shorts it was, i felt bad for the front row it was it was odd um, and Pete also gave him shit and told told him don't don't wear shorts on stage. And uh, is is this a new thing for Pete? I feel like for the longest no. time he never said a word to anyone. He never said that. anything to me on amateur night. It's when I showed up for a weekend just to meet yeah. Brian out at the Funny Stop. Yeah, see Cam perform. He was uh, featuring or hosting something. He uh, and he goes, I Blake, I did give. I'd have given you time, but you dressed like shit. I'm like, thanks, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John can just waltz in there to Browns hoodie all the time, and Pete doesn't say a goddamn word. As I see well how it is. I'm wearing jeans. I'm oh, wearing, okay. I'm That's all it takes. Jeans. 
anything not, up top. Just not shorts jeans. Or flip He gave uh, Jimmy was wearing like a uh, like a short sleeve shirt with like a couple buttons on the front, and uh, it was like pretty plain. And he was wearing uh, jeans as well. And he was standing next to me and Pete yelled at him for dressing like shit. And I'm standing there in my jeans and a V-neck. Doesn't say a word to me. And so Jimmy got extra mad about it. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. It's how many also... how many beers was Jimmy in? <laughs> oh, and it depends. He drinks White Claws. He's it's watching also, his calories. It's also because it's Jimmy. And um, I mean, he... You wear a t-shirt better than jimmy is all i'm gonna say uh damn you he, heard it here folks he just looks he just looks like uh i don't know he looks jimmy has a sloppy look to him anyways and, oh and, man and he knows this it's not a oh no he's probably well aware yeah he's well aware and so whenever he's wearing like like a t-shirt and and playing on pete's like he dressed like shit but you're wearing like a nice v-neck and you're like clean shaven and shit, you know, so it's like, it's fine. I get away with it, I guess. Yeah. It's pretty bad when like Jimmy goes to a Goodwill next door to buy a replacement outfit after vomiting on the first. And someone <laughs> tells him, wow, Jimmy, you dressed up for this. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty bad. Uh, man, I don't know. I think that's pretty great to be honest. Yeah, Blake would love that. Um Spare question. Did you buy the socks with the tuxedo t-shirt or were those separate? <laughs> those were given to me as a Christmas gift. Okay, so like separately. Yeah. Yes. Like you already had the t that's that's I awesome. bought the t the original tuxedo t-shirt for a Halloween costume. And I didn't want to spend the money on it, but I was like, you know what? One day I'll figure out a good use for this. <laughs> and then I did. <laughs> I respect it. I didn't even know they made tuxedo t-shirt socks. Yeah, Spirit Halloween. Who knew? Hell yeah. <laughs> we have news about Brian Laundry. He's dead. Um, this is this is from Fox News this week about um, if when they're going to find out how he died. Or if. Blake, if you don't pay attention to the news, Brian Laundry killed his girlfriend. Uh, I, I I know that much. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and he yeah, was, I was wondering why. Found. Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. He did it. How did Brian Laundrie die? It's a question that will be passed on from the medical examiner to a forensic anthropologist. One way or another, they'll decide, determine from the autopsy and the toxicology the cause and manner of death. In an interview with Fox Business, forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Bodden explains what an anthropologist will be looking for. The post-mortem examination will take into account the bones and any soft tissues that are still uh, present. Now an expert must determine if the death was homicide, suicide, accidental, or natural. USF forensic anthropologist Dr. Aaron Kimmerly says every bone will be closely examined. And just depending on what is evident on the bone, if there's trauma, if there's injuries, if there's post-mortem damage, that's pretty evident. And so usually we can come to um, you know, conclusions with a high degree of scientific certainty. The FBI says the remains were underwater for weeks. Kimberly says generally water will slow the decomposition. Uh, it also prohibits 
predators and scavenging, which adds a lot to the rate of decomposition, especially in Florida. Still, she says, remains can become skeletonized in just a week. While water will uh, delay that a little bit, it's been very hot and very wet uh, last couple months in Florida. And so um, remains can become skeletonized very quickly. As for how long it could take to determine a cause of death, well, depending on what the uh, anthropologist is asked to do, gen but if it's trauma assessment, uh, usually a few days uh, is enough time to do that assessment. And several factors may be able to pinpoint when Brian Laundrie died. In Tampa, Jennifer Holton Fox. I have a new theory. This is the mafia. <laughs> the mob. They got into some trouble with the mafia. They killed her. He got away. And then he ended up sleeping with the fishes. That's what. That's what I think. And the gators. Yeah, and the yeah more than like no. My my big thing from this discovery is the bump that Dog the Bounty Hunter got from being close to finding him is now completely gone. Yeah, because yep. apparently he's been under there for weeks. So Dog was never close to finding him. No, he's a. <laughs> we all knew Dog was a fraud. Okay, nobody thought, I was, nobody thought I was Dog really, was an honest man. <laughs> not my bounty hunter. I, uh, I was really rooting for him. I'm not going to lie. I wanted Dog the bounty hunter to succeed in his hunt. Just to have like that one final shot of Brian Laundrie in the backseat of a really old SUV. And then Dog the bounty hunter like giving him a cigarette and telling him to go to Christ and it's all going to be okay. Even though it definitely wasn't going to be okay. <laughs> Oh, I thought you meant you were. I thought you meant you were rooting for Brian Laundry. No, no, no. <laughs> like, Classic I, I Brandon. Hope, I hope he gets away. No. I did honestly, though. I did really want them to capture him alive because I wanted to find out like what actually happened. Because we are never going to know every detail well, of like what went thing, down. Even if he gets caught, you don't know if you'll ever find out what actually happened. That's true. Well, Dude, uh, I, there's definitely I no a, shot now. I had to do a three-day driver intervention program after my DUI, and there was a dude who literally looked like Skeletor, stole someone's skin and was wearing it, and goes, I was caught with meth in my back, or stuff to make meth in my back seat, but I don't know how it got there. It's not mine. I was like, why are you lying, man? But like, what? <laughs> yeah, and in case... And in people, case, even when they're caught, still lie. <laughs> And in case anybody was wondering, um, I'm trying to find it, um, but there, I think everybody knew that it was going to happen, but the first news source to um, go with the headline, and I can't find it, uh, Laundry Day, was Fox <laughs> News. That's confirmed. That's, that's, that's uh, you know, yep. kudos. That's, that's just, that's a nice change of pace. <laughs> no, you know they were sitting on that for weeks. Oh yeah. Like once we find this guy. Yeah. It's laundry day. Really dirty laundry wasn't anything like uh <laughs> pitched maybe. Uh, uh, there's a million. Yeah. Fox News. Well, I feel like if he was caught alive there was a lot more. Cuz like you could have dirty laundry aired out, you know. <laughs> but he has to be alive. Yeah, for that one to work. Um or here's another theory. It was Brian Laundry's parents. They I've heard him? that one. Killed them both. I've heard 
apparently they've been under uh, surveillance for a while. From I, what else has told me. I assumed aiding and abetting, but you guys are right. I mean, maybe if they trace how long he's been dead back to around the same time as her. I was also thinking because they have her body and now they have his body, they could actually maybe take a look at the hands, see if that could show you if that, you know, if Brian was the one that would have strangled her, if somebody bigger, smaller. I don't know. I watched a lot of forensic files. I have high hopes. Yeah, but it's going to be weird because now he's a skeleton. So his hands aren't the size they would have been. Yeah, that's true. I'm telling you, I'm going to watch some more forensic files tonight and find out. if. Yeah, actually, I works. took an anthropology class and a couple of them in college. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can find out from remains, but there's a lot of guesswork involved in all of it. Yeah, because it, it's yeah. it's like. It's not an exact science, anything you're working with there. Like you can be like, oh, that that chip in the bone looks like it was caused by a saw. And then you can show that a saw can make that chip. But other tools could do the same thing. Oh, it's yeah. got a lot of wrongful convictions. And in the words of uh, in the words of Bill Maher, I don't know for a fact, but I think that it's true. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> these people are also Brian Laundrie's parents. Oh, yes, those people. <laughs> they definitely did it. <laughs> we don't even do this podcast on YouTube anymore. <laughs> like, I, uh, it's the, it's the, it's the people on the on the front lawn with the guns from the Black Lives Matter march. Yeah. Yep, they did it. Real upstanding uh, citizen. Yeah, the best. <laughs> um, now we have uh, more news on. Uh, Actually, that uh, we have a shooting news. Um, I like how you're laughing as you say that. <laughs> I'm just trying to decide what clip like, I'm going to go with. Um, just like that, that last chick, the, uh, the the anthropologist that was analyzing the the remains of Brian or whatever was laughing as she was describing how wet it was. She's like, as you can imagine, yeah, it was pretty wet dude, in Florida. I had a real problem with how they presented that interview. Because like comfortable, the news person interjecting their thoughts, I was like, you didn't have to say any of that. Like everyone understood what she was saying without your dumb interjection. Yeah, and I'm pretty yeah, sure right? she said something really wrong at the beginning. I'm gonna play it again one more time. Um, How did Brian Laundry die? It's a question that will be passed on from the medical examiner to a forensic anthropologist. One way or another, they'll decide, determine from the autopsy and the Maybe toxicology. Not the cause and manner of death. In an interview with Fox Business, forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Bodden explains what an anthropologist will be looking for. The post-mortem examination will take into account the bones and any soft tissues that are still... Yeah, I didn't like anything. Now an expert must determine if the death was homicide, suicide, accidental, or natural. USF forensic anthropologist Dr. Aaron Kimmerly says every bone will be closely examined. All right, maybe not. I thought I heard something. Maybe it's in another... Well, story. one thing she said wrong was someone must decide. You don't... It's not how like, it works. It, it's yeah. not. It's always somewhat inconclusive. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, like, unless someone's clearly been decapitated, then you go, Yeah, there might have been some foul play here. Yeah, or if he has like a, or if he has like a gator jaw-sized chunk missing out of his thigh, you know, they can be like, <laughs> all right, 
I think you got eaten by this alligator right here. That's why I was a little surprised when they said all of the bones will be analyzed. I yeah. thought, I okay, you have every single bone. It, it probably wasn't an alligator then. I imagine yeah. you're going to lose something to the gator. I just wonder, like, did he have, like, a, a bag with rocks tied around his foot to keep him on the bottom <laughs> of the water? I'm, I'm going with this mafia thing, I'm telling you. Brian Laundry, <laughs> avid rock collector. Um, <laughs> Brian Laundry loaded down with at the bottom of it. <laughs> well, uh, our next story I'll go to actually is an, in the world of sports. Um, this happened at the Brooklyn Nets first home game. This is from CBS News. Good evening. I'm Jessica Moore. We begin tonight with that clash at Barclays in Brooklyn. Dozens of protesters marched to the arena ahead of the Nets season or opener to oh, demand Kyrie Irving. It was the story. Oh, that's Did the you one. guys hear that? Season or opener is the next story. Investors marched to the arena ahead of the Nets season or opener to demand <laughs> Kyrie Irving play, despite opener. not following New York City's vaccine mandates. In fact, at one point, some demonstrators even tried to storm into the building. CBS 2's Lisa Rosner reports. Jessica, the rally here at Barclays Center comes as city workers are planning protests over the mandate all week. <laughs> protesters trespassed barricades and used all their might to try to get into Sunday's Nets game. Security had to hold them back and close all front doors to secure the area. Ticketed guests already inside watched it unfold. All this for Kyrie? Because he don't want to get vaccinated? But Kyrie could play if he get vaccinated. The rally started hours before the game at a park about a mile away from the Barclays Center. They're trying to take away our freedom. It was organized by several groups, including Teachers for Choice, Reverend Kevin McCall, and Black Lives Matter activist Hank Newsom, who marched to Barclays with signs. Upon arriving, McCall and Newsom got upset when they were told the DJ outside Barclays could not turn down the music for a few minutes, and then dozens swarmed the plaza. Irving, a Montclair, New Jersey native, has said it is not about being anti-vax or being on one side or the other. It is just really about being true to what feels good for me. Disappointed Irving fans had mixed reactions after watching the Nets lose the game. I was the only person I came to see. I'm with him 100%. Definitely should be vaccinated yeah. because if you're a star figure, it's probably a good idea to set a good example. Irving is not the only one in the public eye pushing back. Time is now running out for 160,000 city workers who must get the shot by this coming Friday or go on unpaid leave. People at a Staten Island rally Sunday said only 55% of firefighters are vaccinated. I estimate that anywhere from 25 to 30 percent of firehouses make close. The mayor says there is a contingency plan to ensure services are not interrupted, including paying overtime. Only 50 percent of EMS workers are currently vaccinated, 71 percent of NYPD, and 51 percent of correction officers. I will go in Friday morning and fill out my paperwork to retire. It's upsetting. I love what I do. I love going to work. Um, I love my job. No arrests were made here at Barclays Center. And as for city workers, several unions say they are planning to sue the city in brooklyn lisa rosner cb i i don't understand these um we'll get to Kyrie Irving in a minute but i don't understand these like firefighters and policemen and ems workers that are like willing to lose their job over not getting vaccinated like you had to get all of the other vaccines you're a public worker 
And a I lot see, of those vaccines their... are made by the same company that made the COVID vaccine. So it's like... Well, see, one thing most people, <laughs> like, their argument is it's untested. We don't know any long-term it's not. effects. It's fully it's, approved by the I, FDA. <laughs> well, one of the... One thing that um, has, like, been a hang-up for people is how quickly it got approved. And one thing I heard... Um, I don't know if you guys have ever listened to Dr. Drew on any of his podcasts that Jesus he has. God, no. But no, um, he, he's done a bunch of podcasts with comedians and he worked with Fauci for the AIDS uh, yeah, epidemic. Yeah, because he's a dick doctor, not a virologist. All right. Like he's. Well, no, he, he is an epidemiologist. So get your shit straight before you come at him, bro. Uh, <laughs> feeling some tension. Is there. But no, a- uh, but no, what he's like, he was talking to someone else and with like how it got approved quicker was they got approved to do multiple steps at the same time that would have been done one after the other, after the other, after the other. Yes, because it's a fucking pandemic. Exactly. So a bunch of steps that would have taken years got aligned and it was like, okay, if this shows promise, move it to the next step, move it to the next step. So that's why it got approved quicker than most things that people are aware of. Yes, but I will say to all of our listeners, Dr. Drew is <laughs> is technically a doctor. He is not a real doctor. He has been on TV for over 30 years. He has not been in practice for a very long time. And he's definitely he's not an epidemiologist. <laughs> Don't let Dr. Drew touch you. He's, you're right. He's not an epidemiologist. I fucking said the wrong word, but. He's, he says at the beginning of every fucking one of his podcasts what he has uh, medical boards in, and then he goes, but don't listen to me. Listen to your doctor. Yeah, Which exactly. is respectable. Yeah, so let's not quote him. Because he's not... Um, but no, that's what any doctor... <laughs> yeah. No, you, you're, you're taking that like that's a bullshit thing to no, say, but that's what any doctor... No, he is bullshit, though. Say. He is full of shit. He, he, he said some very, some very um, dangerous things around the pandemic that I believe didn't help, um, but that's Doctor Drew is is uh, to me is not. I used to like Doctor Drew. I think after after this pandemic, I think he's not a uh, responsible person to have a medical license. I mean, that's, I feel like a solid referee on this. I don't really know much of Doctor Drew's work, um, but well, he has been a none. celebrity, a celebrity, and like, uh, um. What's reality TV show doctor for a while, but he was still practicing a major majority of that time in hospitals while like doing he betrayed all that other John. Stuff. This is very Game of Thrones. He's like, Dr. <laughs> Drew betrayed John. John's pissed about Apparently, it. Apparently, he said something that John's not happy about. Blake's like, look, Mr. Dr. Drew's only been good to me. I'm I'm going to back his ass up. And now we're like having a stalemate and I'm, I'm just left on the outskirts here. I'm going to have to get hip to, hip to some Dr. Drew. Yeah, it's it's just uh, he's he's just said some really stupid shit around the pandemic is all that's what was his stance on it? Was it COVID's not real or um, no. it was more of that? It was he was trying to say that it was a media induced pandemic and that and he that said it, the panic around it was media induced. Yeah, which is bullshit because there's like, I mean, Millions of people, millions of people you, have died. You say it's bullshit, but the media made it worse. The media did make it worse than it needed to be. I mean, we. we I don't know though, because like I bet back, people. back, go ahead, back during like the uh, like the 
like the bubonic plague and shit. I bet like they wish they had a media that was like, oh, my God, there's a bunch of disease. Oh, yeah. running around well, that could kill your it, ass. Once once COVID gets the level of leprosy, then we can make that comparison. I'm just saying during any pandemic, even like, you know, back in the uh, the Spanish flu, I'm sure they probably would have maybe appreciated. Hey, hey, saying like, this is just killing people. Watch, out watch how racist now. you're being by calling it the Spanish flu. OK, right. OK. It was the, <laughs> the old timey flu that killed people back in the day. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I think like I think almost five million people dead is something to panic about myself, but. Especially when it's five million people that died from something that was like brand new. You know what I mean? Like millions of people die from regular shit that we know plenty about and they just die anyway. But when when you don't know about it, yeah, that's something something to be a little alarmed about. Yeah. So to Kyrie Irving, um, Kyrie Irving. Before we get to Kyrie, because not not about Dr. Drew. It's about a guy that was in that clip. Yeah. When he goes, this isn't about taking sides. This is about like me believing one way or the other. I was like, sounds like yeah, taking a side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. how it's taking like, a side works. It's just like Kyrie Irving saying it's saying it's not it's not about being anti-vax. It's about doing what feels good for me or whatever. It's like yeah, that's Kyrie. Kind of we all know that's the only thing you care about is is what you believe that's good for you. That's been what very Kyrie... apparent during his entire career. What if yeah, Kyrie like secretly just even LeBron just, was good? Yeah, it's a fair point. What if Kyrie was just secretly afraid of needles and uh, just can't really let this go? Because if he does, it would be really embarrassing. Or, or he thinks that there's a microchip in it because that's more Kyrie style. Yeah, that's, that is a little more Kyrie style. <laughs> that is that is way more. Um, Kyrie style. Um, I, I mean, he is from Australia, though, so he does think a little upside down. Yeah, dude. How are you from Australia and you now live in America and you think the fucking earth's flat? I don't understand. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Oh no, God. his his argument to that, like <sighs> he's like, I'm not a flat earther. You just can't trust what people say. There's no proof that the earth earth is round. I'm like, there's math. That's why NBA Math. players should have to go to college. That's that's NBA players should have to go to four years of college. All college athletes who are going to be role models to children should have to go to four years of college and not be allowed to get communication degrees. That's we should also <laughs> probably tell our kids that that might not be somebody to look up to all the time. Yeah. Well, no, that's why that's why LeBron James came out with that whole thing. Like after he. uh went to Miami, he came out with the, like the commercial, like, I'm not a role model. Like, don't fucking look to me for all your shit. And then yeah. now, fast forward to 2021, and Drew. people are using him for a fucking role model like, of how to think. Yeah. And like, believe me, I might Google LeBron James's name on a daily basis more than anyone else on this fucking I would blow him if he asked me to tomorrow. But that's beside the point. But not everything he says is the most intelligent thing that's ever come out of someone's mouth. Like, he's not the end all be all of how to think. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Blake called him king first. (laughs) Also said he was. No, but if he did want a cabana boy, I'd be down. (laughs) All right. We're moving on. Um, We we need to save that recording. 
We have uh, we have a clip about how Alec Baldwin's temper finally got the best of him. Um, this is from NBC News. Um, no, everybody knows Alec Baldwin shot somebody. It was an accident. Um, supposedly, it's it's sad story because she's wow. Did you hear how casually he put supposedly in there? <laughs> I was counting on what. It. We don't know. <laughs> like for it was sure. an accident. No, I mean we Supposed. know. I I think I, I don't think Alec, Alec Baldwin intentionally murdered someone. But you don't know that it's not like you don't know that it's not like somebody in the crew trying yeah, to murder like, somebody. You know, it's Chucky still under investigation. Child's Play Three when he put the live rounds into the paintball gun. Yeah, you don't know that like, nobody did that. that. Yeah, I mean, if there was somebody trying to frame Alec Baldwin for murder, that would be a great Forensic Files episode. I would love that shit. Yeah, we didn't even have to play the clip. Everybody knows what happened. Um, but it's sad because it was a young filmmaker who lost her life. Um, yeah, but it is also like it's it's pretty crazy for the film industry. Um, uh, the governor of California is talking about banning uh, real guns in the making of movies. Um, this was like so the person who I read that the person who uh, was in charge of the weapons on this set also had complaints where they were in charge of weapons on another set at some point. Um, and it just, it seems like there were complaints filed about, about the safety of the set and everything. And the studio didn't do anything about it. They were in a rush to try to get this made in 21 days from what I understand. So, um, but the, the, um, supervisor, I think producing supervisor or whatever it was, um, handed Alec Baldwin the gun and told him it was cold, which means it's okay to use. And and that's what happened. And I'm sure Alex, Alec Baldwin is like going crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. That's some heavy shit. And so at the end of the day, it was a live round that was in it. Or was it like a blank that something still got shot? Somehow. Out of no, it was a live round that was supposed to be a blank. And uh, oh, was it? I don't I know. They much. hadn't determined it yet. Oh, well, that's like I said, I was about to say, um, I don't know much of it other than um what i've been told by other people but one thing i heard i can't remember who said it was apparently the people who were handling the guns weren't uh union like i didn't know there was a a union for that situation in the industry but it makes sense yeah. apparently they hired a non-union group to handle the the guns and the blank rounds instead of going through the normal channels that they're supposed to yeah. Hearsay. I don't know. Yeah. But it's just right. a bad situation that um I think just is gonna make Hollywood stop and think a little bit, maybe. Um about the I mean this isn't effect. the first time this has happened, though. No, and, and the they just stopped they just stopped the workers in Hollywood from going on strike like twelve days ago, I think it was. Yikes. They came to an agreement to negotiate with the workers because they were complaining about um unequal pay and uh and like unsafe working conditions and whatnot um but yeah it's it's a bad situation um I don't honestly think- i'm i'm a little shocked that they actually do still use live weapons yeah. in these kind of movies i would think it really wouldn't be that difficult to make the specific guns you're looking for specifically or for you know movie. if you want the sound 
do you know how many things have been shot off and recorded in other movies? You could exactly well, recycle yeah, that's the what sound. Too. They, can do, they can do everything from the sound to the to the muzzle flash um, in CGI afterwards, and there's no reason for them to still use live weapons in movies. Um, Especially after this. I mean, yeah, this isn't the first time this has happened. Yeah, right. like Brandon Lee yeah. uh, got shot in yeah. the filming The Crow too, I think. No, it was the first one. Oh, oh he died. At, oh, yeah, he died in the first one, but they still released the movie, which was yeah. It was one a of my favorite movie, movies though. growing up. Yeah, I like the crow. movie. I don't really the remember the movie that much, much but the uh, the soundtrack was the shit. I remember that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got one more story before we get to Blake's comedian. Um, it is one of the most, one of the only and most biased reporters on the side of democrats um this is from rachel maddow um earlier this week first there was the new social media platform that donald trump was going to launch this past spring uh, his advisor said it was going to be the hottest ticket in social media it was going to completely redefine the game um, when this game redefining social media service launched, it turned out to be just a blog <laughs> that looked like it was visiting from the 1990s. Um, Trump ran that for a few weeks, then he shut it down before it got to be one month old, reportedly because he could not stand the mockery over its hilariously low traffic. Uh, then <laughs> Act Two was something called Gitter. Get who? Get her. Get Gitter a pro-Trump social media app, not a blog, this one's an app, launched by one of Trump's former advisors. That one has been hilarious from the get-go too. As soon as it launched, all the personal information of all of its initial users was exposed. Uh, hackers immediately took over the accounts of a whole bunch of high-profile Trump word world figures. It was kind of an open book. Then, <laughs> next, the entire site was overrun with pro-ISIS propaganda like literally freaking beheading videos and stuff. That was nice. That was a nice sort of next move there. But you know what? Maybe the, the third effort's a charm here. Now Mr. Trump says he is launching a new social media service. Not the blog, not get her, get her, get her. Now it's some other thing. But from the moment he made the announcement last night, it's kind of felt familiar. Um, for one thing, this supposedly new social media platform appears to be him just taking somebody else's off-the-shelf software and calling it a new thing. It's literally run on free open-source software that anyone can use to build a thing that kind of looks like Twitter but isn't Twitter. Also, when Trump made his big announcement last night, his team apparently forgot to do anything to protect or prepare the test version of this thing um, that was just sitting online. The Washington Post, I think, quite ably described what happened next. Quote, within hours, pranksters found what appeared to be an unreleased test version and posted a picture of a defecating pig to the Donald J. Trump account. The site's early hours revealed lax security, rehashed features, and a flurry of bizarre design decisions. An open sign-up page allowed anyone to use the site shortly after it was revealed, sparking the creation of the Donald J. Trump account and the defecating pig posting. A Washington Post reporter was able to register and post under the account name Mike Pence without any stops in place. <laughs> Although, thankfully, the Mike Pence account left the pigs alone. <laughs> so... 
I wanted to play that because there, there's one difference between Rachel Maddow and who is the biased reporter on the left, and Tucker Carlson, the biased Dude, reporter honestly, on the right. Before you say more, in my head, I was like, "Is this Tuckerina?" Yeah. So <laughs> the yeah, difference is is that everything that Rachel Maddow said was completely true. <laughs> like she might have said it with her biased, smart ass, giddy voice, Dude, but it was all true. Anything she said in that <laughs> clip, I just wanted to be like, "You're a bitch." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to hear like, anything you're... you have to say. Yeah. Even when you're right, I hate you. I don't understand. Yeah. I... Yeah, she gets way too giddy when she like gets something really funny about Trump, and she just goes off on her tangents. There, there I mean, was also a moment where she tried to say Trump world or something, but she said Trump words, and I was like, yeah. I feel like she probably uses that word that term to describe people. <laughs> she definitely words. tried. Yeah. She definitely yeah. tried to buy the fake severed head that Kathy Griffin held up in that picture. <laughs> It is, um, it is hilarious though that like this is the, Trump's third attempt at some kind of social media platform for him and his followers, and it's the third time they've royally screwed it up. Like, and they keep I, putting ISIS like heading videos on it. <laughs> well, I liked how she, um, she was like, "It's just an open source thing that you could use." I'm like. This is a 70-year-old man we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> like he's no, not, not him. Most... It's him. He has he tells these people his ideas that he wants to go forward. I know. With. No. Do you think he yeah. doesn't dip his finger into it and go, this yeah. is what I want? Yeah. And he has the dumbest <laughs> fucking people working for him. So they just royally screw it up every time. It's almost like uh the the disabled the disabled dude from South Park uh with his with his buddy <laughs> No, the one, yeah. the one with the long hair with his buddy Mimsy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's Donald Trump and the people that work for him. <laughs> they screw up the social media site for the third time, and he's like, "Damn it, Mimsy!" Like it's, it's the best. Uh, yeah. Before you said that, I never would have made the connection to him and Donald Trump, but I see it. <laughs> so much in my brain oh, right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, he has all these evil plans. <laughs> like, walking around like him. he owns the place, but yeah. being wrong all the time. Yeah. Can't bring him to fruition <laughs> at all. It's it's great. Um, we'll get to Blake's comedian here. Um, it's one of my favorite comedians as well, Tom Segura. Uh, why oh, yeah. Tom Segura, Blake? What, what is it about him? Well, like, you asked, you know, like, what comedian got you into comedy and i couldn't even tell you because the first time i actually did stand-up comedy was when i was uh 13 i did oh. it for a talent show in school and i mean i got into dane cook a little after that but like you know i watched comedy for a long time growing up yeah and then i just didn't watch it for a while and then someone i was living with some friends and one of his friends came over one of my roommate's friends and he was like, hey, this dude's really funny and showed me a Tom Segura thing on Netflix. I think it was mostly stories. Um, yeah. But like, he showed me that and I was just like, it reignited, you know, like, oh shit, I fucking love watching stand-up comedy because yeah. Tom Segura is a funny, funny dude, motherfucker. you could probably oh, get booked off of that if instead of you told people two years, 
If you were like, if they were like, how long have you been doing stand up? And you're like 18 years. Just from that. I swear there's people that get booked from just the amount of time that they've been in stand up. You have to have like oh, a really yeah, good headshot of yourself. For any fucking reason. Yeah, yeah. You've been doing. How old are you? Thirty-one. I've been doing it since I was thirteen. That's eighteen years. Yeah, I took a little break at some point. <laughs> I took a little. Break. <laughs> I told the why did the chicken cross the road joke in preschool, and you don't see me. Yeah, counting fucking twenty-five years. Oh, dude, I'm not gonna lie. When I was like six years old. My mom had her friends over and I was like, everyone sit on the couch. I've got jokes to tell you. Oh, man. <laughs> That's dude. You could go with that, man. That's 20 something years. That'll work. Um, no, uh, <laughs> Tom Segura, also one of my favorite comedians. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts is Two Bears, One Cave. Uh, I like your mom's house even more than that one. Really? See, I just like I, I just love the dynamic that that Bert and Tom have together. Like, yeah, I love how Tom like just not to be punny, but pokes the bear. Oh yeah, like he that's knows, all he does. He knows the whole Bert show. is gonna say something yeah. ridiculous, so he just keeps jabbing at him. He just keeps like ag- ag- agreeing with him, like he like he <laughs> thinks it's a good idea. It's the best, dude. Like it's it's they have the best dynamic on a podcast, um, other than me and Brandon, and it's. <laughs> no amen tom segura is by far the best uh right now with the uh as far as the longer storytellers go um i also like how i what i think i appreciate most about him is he says really like edgy dark things but he has such a jovial like way of saying it it sounds like you know yeah. super fun He's got some of the best word choice I've ever seen. Like he, everything he says, he finds the perfect word to say it with. And a lot of times he makes things that normally really wouldn't be that funny. be hilarious. He's also really good with his mannerisms and voice change. Yeah. Like to play a character and his mannerisms are really good. Like his tilting his head one way or the other. Yeah. Dude, the, which is Brian, Brian Kenny has that as well. And I've, I've said it before, but he reminds me a lot of Tom Segura. Um, but that is everything when you're telling stories is your mannerisms, your, your voice inflections. Um, it's, it's crazy, but we'll play this clip. Um, this is from his latest Netflix special ball hog. Um, and it has to do with Wu-Tang, which I also love. So listen to this and talk about it. My friend, I can hear her audibly say, I can't believe I'm thinking that. And I go thinking what? And she goes, oh, nothing. And I go, what is it? She goes, it's embarrassing. And I go, well, just tell me. She goes, if I tell you, you'll make fun of me. And I go, I always make fun of you. Just say it. <laughs> and she goes, no, it's just something you know, I want to keep inside. I go, but you said you want to do it. So just say it, and then you can make it happen. She goes, I don't want to. I go, listen, if you don't put it out in the universe, it'll never happen. You've got to say it. What is it? And she goes, OK, I want to blow somebody in the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I immediately think, what would my mom say, you know? And I tell myself, don't be like mom. This is this girl's dream. (laughs) So I look her dead in her eyes, and I go, you should try. (laughs) There's a bunch of them. That's what I said. Now, 
three months later, she got on their tour bus and she told them, and guess what? They all accepted. <laughs> if you are not familiar, there are nine guys in the Wu-Tang Clan. Nine. So many guys. <laughs> That's so many. Can we park for a moment at how many dicks nine is? <laughs> I don't even understand how anyone's sitting in their seat right now. There's people out here like, hmm, what else you got? Are you shitting me? <laughs> That's not a lot. Close your eyes and picture nine dicks. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, they're everywhere. Yeah, because there's nine of them. That's why. <laughs> I'm not slut-shaming, I'm saying objectively, nine is a lot of anything. Like, if I was like, I had cinnamon rolls today, and you're like, how many did you have? I had nine. <laughs> you mean take you to the emergency room, or? <laughs> you're gonna lose a foot by the morning, we should go. <laughs> Nine dicks? Are you fucking shitting me? Some of you, it took you 15 years to get to nine dicks. This was a Thursday for this young lady. <laughs> Try to imagine the physical labor involved with blowing nine probably not small dicks. <laughs> If you're not aware, the Wu-Tang fellas don't look like me, all right? <laughs> that is some CrossFit shit at that level. <laughs> if you think burpees are rough, try. <laughs> Am I doing good? <laughs> Do you like me now? <laughs> like, after how many do you think she was like, let's take a little break for a second. <laughs> so mean about it <laughs> how many is that four five <laughs> am i done and they're like no you're not done you got rizzo ray ghost meth no you're not done <laughs> she's like but my neck hurts and they're like you gotta protect your neck don't you listen to our music <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that is a top-shelf Wu-Tang blowjob joke. Now, <laughs> she was a real animal, you know. I asked her one time, I was like, if you could go back to that day and do anything differently, what would you have done? And she said, I'd have skipped lunch. So... <laughs> Oh, that's such a good bit. <laughs> you know it's a made-up bit, though, because Old Dirty would not have been in the first four of the blowjob <laughs> training. Yeah, yeah. That is a lie. <laughs> See, like we were talking about mannerisms, like as that was playing, I was imagining it in my head, and there was so much mist from that joke yeah. just based on how he performs it. Yeah, yeah. Like even the part mostly at the part where he's talking about like, is am I done? 
am yeah. I doing good enough? Because he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's such a good storyteller. I I love it. He's the best, man. I can't. I'm going to see him in uh, I think June. Are you going to uh, Northfield? I I think so. It's he had one in like December or January, and the tickets were like outrageously expensive. And then I looked at the one he had in June, and they were a lot cheaper. So. Going to that one. I'd love to go see him live. Yeah, going to him. Uh, I think Nate Bargatze in January. That'll be cool. I'd love to see Nate Bargatze live too. I I hadn't seen anything Nate Bargatze until I think probably around May uh, of this year. You should probably uh, check out a concert first. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. His dead <laughs> his dead horse bit is one of my favorites ever written. Uh, Nate Bargatze. Um, but. Um, yes, concert. Need to get you to one, sir. Do that. I'm always down. <laughs> Everyone I've ever told I'd never been to a concert before says that exact same thing. And then so you're agreeing that one. you're agreeing that if I buy two concert tickets to anything, you're down to go. Yeah. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> All right. You guys are going to go see Alan Jackson together. <laughs> okay, first of all, you laugh, but Alan Jackson has a place in my heart oh, with man. the song Little Man. God all right? Oh, I like <laughs> Guess you, we're Blake. going to see Alan Jackson. Damn. <laughs> um, Blake, do you have anything to promote? Uh, where can people follow you at on social media? Uh, the only thing I'm going to promote is uh, thanks to talking to you and Zach. This past weekend, I'm going to be uh, releasing all the episodes of my podcast that I didn't edit that includes yours. Cool. Going to be releasing those soon. I'm going to go back and edit it. And uh, you can check that out at the Aggressively Average Podcast. It'll be coming out uh, not probably the week after this airs. Cool. I'll get back on that, and then I'll be going back to going weekly with it. So... Cool. And where can people follow you at? Um, Facebook at Blake Townsend. Uh, Instagram is Blake to Jesus. That's D A Jesus. <laughs> um, it's not how I pronounced it in my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no one does. Everyone goes, oh, so it's De Jesus. And I'm like, do I look that tan? <laughs> oh, man. Well, all right, follow Blake on social media. Um, go check him out whenever you see him posting his shows. Very funny guy. Oh, oh. what? When is this coming out? Tuesday, tomorrow. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. If if you guys want to come out to the funny stop, I will be in the quarterfinals for the amateur competition on Wednesday, the twenty seventh. Cool. So if anyone wants oh, yeah. to come out, cool. I think I'll great. actually be there because I think my friend Jana is in that one as well what um, Jana's gonna be bad. all right i'll yeah. probably be there too <laughs> yeah not um, not because of blake it's gonna be because of Jana. oh i totally understand yeah for <laughs> sure <laughs> um you can uh follow me at john brown comedy as always and uh come out to tremont thursday um to high and dry um it's the first show there and it's gonna be a good time start at eight o'clock um i'll be doing that and that's bill squire's show so i think he's hosting Oh yeah, I'm on early November for one of those 
Uh, and November 12th, I'm roast battling Jeremy Demery. Oh, yeah, that'll be good. It's going it's going down, buddy. Hell, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. I, I love Jeremy Demery. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, he's he's decent at roasting. I've seen him. I saw him and Kevin Bain roast each other. He was pretty decent. So The people you love the most are the ones that are easiest to roast, though. I That's why I beat John. <laughs> yeah, it'll... Um, it's because I loved him so fucking much. <laughs> it'll be better. It'll be better competition than Bill Stone. That's all you. I mean, that's all you can hope for. That's not okay. Not. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna slowly. You're like I was up. gonna say something, but he got me. Yeah. Oh, Bill. Bill is not a roaster. We found that out. Um, I was a little sad. I, yeah. He also told me he was going to send me the rest of his jokes. I was kind of disappointed. We thought we were doing a 60-second round, and uh, we didn't get to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. You saved some of your best ones, too. I had great um, ones for the 60-second <laughs> round and did not get to use them. So what do you do? You just send them to the person you care about. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I would have hurt your soul. Yeah. yeah. Like, I wanted to tell you this, but I didn't get to. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to edit this, so we got to get off here. Um, <laughs> uh, Brandon, where can All people right. follow you at? Petrified Comedy, most places. Uh, other than that, my name, Brandon Petrie. All right. Add him on Facebook. You heard it first. Um, <laughs> no, they didn't hear it first. <laughs> All right. Uh, Blake, I think we got it, man. Thanks for coming on. Later. All right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Have a good night, guys. Later. Brown Petri Dish is created by John Brown and Brandon Petri. Logo designed by Brian Gallagher. Music by Jared Bailey. Audio version of the podcast is produced and edited by John Brown. Video YouTube version produced and edited by Harrison Poole.